Hello and welcome into the 48 Minutes Podcast on Believe. This is episode eight. I'm Ross Geiger, the host of the show. Happy to be joined alongside my co-host, Bruce Bernstein of Pure Hoops Media and Michael Freer. Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? Oh, couldn't be better, Ross. Could not be better. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm looking forward. This is one of the ones I'm really looking forward to. This is going to be a really fun episode. I'm definitely looking forward to it myself. And uh, we'll be, let's get started with you on the opening tip here tonight. Switch things up. Um, what do you got for us? Well, my opening uh, tip off, opening thought is about uh, Kemba Walker recently just got waived by the Mavericks. Uh, one of my all time favorite players that I've ever seen uh, play or I've enjoyed watching play. You know, I've been following the NBA since the 70s and. Uh, I think if I had to list five players that I enjoyed watching, he'd be in my favorite, you know, list there. He's he's that cool. He's going to have his uh, number retired the minute he hangs it up for good in Charlotte, probably about like 10 minutes after he announces. Um, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of time with the Mavs, just like nine points, nine games, eight points a game, something like that. But he's the greatest player in the history of the Hornets franchise. He was the most exciting player. After they returned, they really didn't have anything in Charlotte to, you know, for lack of a better phrase, a buzz about with them. And he came along. He really worked himself into a all-star player. He was not a great player at the beginning, uh, not a good shooter. He worked himself into being a really good shooter and a leader. He was beloved not just on the court but off the court in that city. And it's. Uh, I hope he's not done, but I fear he may be. So, you know. Kudos to Kemba Walker if this is it on a great career. Yeah, and I've had a couple of my friends reach out think, asking me whether or not they think he's going to get another job in the league. I think with the 30-point performance, he may get another 10-day opportunity before this season's over, but uh, not very sure, as everyone's well aware. He is nearing the end of his career, but uh, that is uh, tough news out of Dallas for Kemba, and uh, hopefully he'll get one more last chance somewhere else. As for me, I'm also going to focus on some point guards for my opening tip, and that was last night's matchup, LaMelo Ball versus Tyree Halliburton in Indiana, and Halliburton's Pacers won that battle at home, 116-111. LaMelo did not have quite the night we were expecting. He fouled out in just 40 or 24 minutes of play, scoring 13 points on 5 of 12 shooting, and uh, had eight assists and one turnover. As for Halliburton, he led his team to victory with 16 points on just four of 10 shooting, 13 assists. He did have three steals and one turnover. So unfortunately, as much as I hyped it up on my Scout Sense Instagram page, I want to thank everybody for uh, voting on that. 90% of the people said they'd take Ty Tyrese Halliburton over LaMelo Ball. Um, that seems to be correct as uh, the numbers stand today and how their careers have fared thus far. But still two very young, exciting point guards, and hopefully we'll have some more exciting matchups uh, from those two uh, later to come in the future. Bruce, what do you got for us tonight? Well, there's a panic test going on all over Brooklyn uh, as yes. Kevin Durant is out with a an MCL sprain of his right knee. Looks like he's probably going to be out for about a month. They're going to reevaluate him in a couple of weeks. This is not the first time he's missed significant time with an injury like that. He missed time last year with an MCL on his other leg, uh, and the team went five and seventeen without him. 
He also missed time in 2017 with an MCL injury and a bone bruise, although that team managed to somehow or another win the championship in Golden State. I don't know how they ever did it. Um, <laughs> but I guess the big question in Brooklyn now is there's a few of them, uh, and we'll examine a few, but the first big one I would say is can Kyrie Irving carry this team in KD's absence? You know, Kyrie in some of his previous stops always sort of made noise like he wanted to be, you know, the, the guy. Well, he's now going to have a good solid month where he's going to be the guy. Uh, so what do you guys think? Is he capable of keeping that thing humming or are they looking at uh, uh, some real problems over the next month or so? Will be. Uh, I think they're looking at some problems. <laughs> uh <laughs> I think I think Kyrie, from an offensive standpoint, is more than capable of doing it. Um, he just, do I really want to hang my hat on Kyrie or leading my team at this point? I just, I don't. Um, they do have talent. They do have other pieces that, that they can uh, keep afloat. I think Ben Simmons is going to have to be more of an offensive yes. mm-hmm. uh, factor in this uh, whole thing. But they do have guys who can do it they got guys who can shoot uh which is positive especially this day and age so i think they're capable of keeping the thing from growing in you know really in the tank but it's going to be difficult um they average about nine more points or nine fewer points when kd is off the court than when he's on per 100 possessions so that's a big drop off it's not the biggest, but it is a big drop-off. And he's been playing at such an MVP-type caliber type of uh, play this le- you know, level this year. It's it's going to be tough, but they do have talent, and they have enough to do it. But if I'm if you're asking me if I think they're going to do it with Kyrie leading the way, I'd say no. Yeah, good point there. I know one thing that's not going to be pretty in Brooklyn, uh, especially these next couple of games, trying to figure out the rotations, the offense, without such a big piece in KD. Um, but I do have an answer for you guys. And go ahead and stop me if you've heard this before. TJ Warren is going to have to be a guy that steps up. I've talked about him all year long for our listeners. He's a guy that's going to have to fill in, put up some points on the offensive event. Royce O'Neal's another guy who should be getting a, to benefit, getting some more shots on the perimeter. Uh, for that Brooklyn Nets team. And uh, Seth Curry, another name that's kind of, uh, you know, fallen out of, out of the, to the wayside with uh, Kyrie back full time. Um, he's going to have to step up, have some high scoring games, 15 to 20 a night. Um, they're going to have to get him involved. And uh, obviously, well, they're hoping for the best with Joe Harris too. Joe Harris is another guy that can maybe come back and fill a role on the wing while Katie is out. Um, but, yeah, Bruce, I, I'm concerned. I, I, it's not going to be a quick fix. It's probably going to take a couple of games to to figure out their new flow offensively. Um, and in the meantime, I guess we'll watch the Kyrie show. He'll probably put up great numbers, as you guys both alluded to. Um, but I don't know about, you know, if they're going to say, a, you know, top five team in the East right now. I will say this. I will say one of the things they have going for them is they really have improved their defense since the start of the year. That can keep them if they can really turn up the defense. They could really that could really balance things out, and they could really change. Uh, they may have to change their philosophy, turn their direction more towards that. But they they can do it with Ben Simmons there. Kyrie's not a bad defender when he wants to be. Uh, I think they have a chance on the defensive end to stay in this. 
One of the ways they did improve their defense, well, two of the ways, really. Number one, you mentioned Ben Simmons. He's been playing great defense ever since he's gotten back in there. But Durant was playing incredible defense this year. Some of the best defense I've ever seen the guy play at the age of 34. So, yes, their defense is going to be not as good perhaps without him, although maybe good enough. Uh, but one guy I was looking at on their roster that I think really, he's mostly been in bubble wrap uh, for a good part of this season, uh, but I think he's still a very capable guy for a period of time, is Markeith Morris. I mean, Markeith Morris and and his, you know, and his brother uh, have always been guys that could get numbers, that could play minutes, that usually stayed pretty healthy, were pretty durable, uh, you know, tough guys that could really, you know, play with an edge. So I think, you know, he's only averaging four points and playing about 11 minutes. So I would say while Durant's out, I mean, that 11 minutes is probably going to double, I would say. He's probably looking at, you know, 20 to 25 minutes. And if he plays 20 to 25 minutes, gets you eight, nine points, a few rebounds, plays some good defense, you know, provides a little bit of physical toughness. I look for him to be a guy that might really be useful for Jacques Vaughn, who, by the way, has done an amazing job with that team this yes, year. Yes. And we're now going to find out if if he really has the buttons to push or if it was always, hey, you know, I got my two studs. Yeah, great point there, Bruce. Another guy that I'm keeping an eye on, along with Morris, would be uh, Yuta Wananabe. He currently leads the NBA in three-point field goal percentage at 52.7%. He does have some length. He's a, small, he's a, a longer forward. Um, so he can kind of uh, fill in that long, lengthy forward position that KD does, at least defensively. And he can, you know, stroke it from the outside. So I'd keep an eye on those two names. Bruce is uh, Markeith Morris, and Wananabe would be my pick as well. Wouldn't it be great if they just, just started to chuck it all, every <laughs> night now? If they took about 53s a night, you know, if 50 to 60% of their shots were all three, they have all the players to do it. You know, they want to really go all, all right, let's try it and just throw up 53 a night. That'd be great. Well, you know, go ahead. Go ahead, Don Ross. I'd say it would only be great if we we were guaranteed to get one Ben Simmons three a night. Go ahead, Bruce. (laughs) How about one Ben Simmons attempt this year? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I love Watanabe's nickname, Utah the Shooter. That's a great nickname. (laughs) Yes, he's the dude, you know, he likes to let it fly. well, look, uh, Brooklyn's next game is going to be on Thursday against Boston. It's at home, so Kyrie won't have to listen to the drunk Celtics fans that I love and revere <laughs> so much, uh, shouting God knows what at him. Uh, but we'll see if, you know, with all the shots that he's now going to have to take and all the extra ball handling he's going to have to do, we'll see if he's, you know, he's now 30 years old, maybe even a bit north of 30. Uh, let's see if, you know, look. Let, let's see what he's got. I mean, this is his chance to really show uh, that he can still be the man for an extended period of time. And, uh, you know, they're they're relying on him. Yeah, and what's interesting about that, Bruce, is Kyrie Irving, I would arguably say, is still kind of battling for a position in the All-Star game, trying to make his argument. This should certainly be the true test of whether or not he's worthy of an All-Star game appearance this year. Uh, you know, of course, missing games to start the season. Um, this, this is the true test. If you want, if you want to make that team, here's your chance. So and he's in, we'll have, and he, this is a contract year so for him. Yeah. So he he this is his chance to really step up and and work towards a major payday, which is 
you know, what the off season was about. And uh, so he, he's still got a lot to, he's got a lot to prove for the team, but he's got a lot, lot to prove in getting that big contract come after this season from somebody. Absolutely. And, you know, one of those teams that Kyrie Irving has been linked to is the Los Angeles Lakers. And that will take us right into our first quarter here. Uh, the Lakers now 19 and 21 on the season and their crosstown foes in the LA Clippers at 500 now, 21 and 21. These two teams are going in opposite directions. What have you guys noticed out west between uh, the City of Angels with the Lakers and the Clippers? Come on, Mike. Uh, Lakers offense is finally in track. I mean, during this win streak, they're averaging about 100, almost 120 points per 100 possessions. Their effective field goal percentage is almost 60. LeBron is playing out of his mind now. He played in four out of five games in this win streak, 38 points a game, nine rebounds a game, eight assists. I mean, he's just having a ridiculous – you know, he's 20 years in the league. Oakland's averaging 30 points a game. We've talked about him before. You know, Bruce has mentioned him. It's it's ridiculous. But, I mean, since they started 2-10, and 10, they're 17-11 and 11 since November 13th. That's the eighth-best record in the league. So you know, we were dusting them off. We, you know, our first show or two, we kind of dismissed them, with reason because they weren't, you know, they didn't show us anything. But they're really, uh, they're getting it together, they're doing it without AD, by the way, uh, for the most part. And I'm, I think this is gonna last. I think they're rolling here, and I think it's gonna last. Nobody can tell me after what we've seen from LeBron James in the past month plus, let's say the last five weeks, since December 2nd, let's say, all right, I've been saying for more than 10 years that LeBron James, when he hangs up his sneakers for the last time, will go down in history as the greatest individual basketball player ever. And the Michael Jordan crowd relentlessly, you know, heckles me over this. There's no way anyone could possibly be better than Mike Jordan. I got news for you. In year 20, LeBron James is playing like prime LeBron James, all right? He's the fastest guy on the court. He's the most explosive guy on the court. His basketball IQ has layer upon layer upon layer of knowledge after all these years. He is single-handedly carrying a team that basically isn't that good uh, and keeping them above water. And and then, you know, soon sooner than expected, Anthony Davis is going to back. But he's been, since December 2nd, He's averaging almost 32 points, uh, almost eight rebounds, more than seven assists, playing 36 and a half minutes a game in year 20, okay? I'm sorry. We have never seen anything like this, and I promise you I will never back down from the fact that LeBron James is the greatest individual player we have ever seen in this game. And uh, that's really, you know, there's, there's more to say about this team, but I couldn't feel more strongly than I do about about his greatness. Yeah, and I think what's great about this team right now is they're starting to get solid contributions from guys they, they signed this offseason and are, are heavily relying upon, obviously, with just their lack of depth on the team. Dennis Schroeder is starting to play exceptionally well for this ball club. He's put up 20-plus points in, I think, all four of his last games for this team during their streak. Uh, they got Thomas Bryant playing at a high level. He had been out the year before battling injury. He brings a ton of energy. I know he's been mentioned by me on this pod 
earlier as someone to keep it keep an eye out for and Russell Westbrook as much uh, crap as we gave him at the beginning of the year he's found a really nice niche off that off that bench for that team and uh just the other night he came in assist shy of a triple double kind of back to his old ways and really playing within the Lakers system now and not just out of control trying to force things and and this team is starting to gel and it's gelling at the right time LeBron Bruce as you said is playing the best ball um, of the season right now and Anthony Davis it's reported that he has been doing individual workouts they're they're continuing to monitor it but all signs and all reports back from the coaching staff is that he's continuing to make steady progress and should be back since so um Definitely the Lakers are on the upswing, and at this point, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Just a half a game behind the, the Suns and a game behind the Warriors. I mean, yeah. it, it's just incredible where they're at from where they started. They're in eleventh. They're in the number 11 spot right now, okay? But they're one game out of the sixth spot because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's where the Clippers are. Those teams are so bunched up in the West near the bottom of the, you know, over, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, right in there. It's it's really uh, it, it's super tight. Uh, There's only Russ, five teams in the West, by the way, that have a winning record. Wow, yeah, that's it's a mess incredible. right now. Wow. Well, you know, so so LeBron, as we said, he's 423 points away from becoming the all-time scoring leader. I had predicted February 11th uh, on a recent show. Uh, I'm still going to stick with that, although the way he's been going, it might be sooner, okay, because <laughs> he's just been, like, crushing it lately. But I love what Thomas Bryant has has done. I've, I'm looking at their last seven games because they've won five straight and they've won six of seven. So I'm kind of taking that seven-game stretch. During that time, Bryant is averaging – 19.7 points. I mean, that's a big scoring number for him. Over 12 rebounds. He had a season-high 29 versus sack in that controversial game uh, on Saturday. Uh, you talked about Russell Westbrook. Uh, again, last seven games, 15 points, 7.6 rebounds, 9.6 assists. Okay? It's big great. numbers for him. The team has seven players averaging double figures. One of them is AD. But it just goes to show you that there are some guys that they can put out there that we really did. We kind of threw dirt on them earlier in the season, but they're uh, they're definitely uh, alive and kicking. Not so much though. Their <laughs> their fellow tenants though at the uh, formerly known as Staples Center. Yeah, the Clippers are struggling right now and struggling to stay healthy. I mean, I think that's always kind of been their mo with Kawhi Leonard, but now Kawhi's back. Paul George is sitting. Paul George is out. Batum was hurt. Uh, Norman Howell's been hurt as uh, until recently. Uh, they just have not been able to put that whole nucleus together and have them healthy at the same time. And, you know, a concern I have for the team as well is their point guard play. I mean, all, you know, much respect to Reggie Jackson and John Wall. They're, of course, solid NBA point guards, but they're just not consistent guys. Those guys are roller coaster rides, and uh, it, it goes well with this season. For the Clippers, it's been a roller coaster to say the least. You know, you mentioned how they've been injuries have hurt them. They've been guys in and out of the lineup, and it's true. Uh, but even when they were together, it's not as if this team was championship material. I mean, with they've only had uh, George and Leonard on the court together for eleven games at the same time, but they're only six and five. You know, since Kawhi came back on a regular basis. 18 games, you know, they're only 8 and 10. 
since Kawhi returned. So, yeah. I mean, they just haven't gelled at all this year. And if you want to say it's because of injuries or whatever, that's fine. But I'm looking at them. You know what? When Kawhi returned, the day he returned, the Clippers were 28th in offensive efficiency. Now on a Monday, January 9th, they're 28th in offensive efficiency. Wow. I mean, nothing's changed. They're just they're the same team they've been. They're terrible on offense, and it's going to cost them a real legitimate chance to do damage in the playoffs because they have a really top-notch defense. But they haven't gelled all year, no matter who's together, whether they have guys healthy or not. So I don't see how this is going to change as the season goes on. They're, and their six-game losing streak that they're currently on, which, by the way, is the longest losing streak of the Kawhi PG-13 era since they've got – so they're playing the worst basketball since those two have been with the franchise. They're losing those games by an average of 10.5 points a game. So some of the games have been close. One or two have been not close, and you know, one's maybe you know, right around that 10-point average. They're currently tied for six with Golden State. Golden State is tied for six. Talk about a team we kind of semi threw some dirt on. So they're right up. So these teams are all backing up to the Clippers now. Lakers, you know, same deal. They're, they're, as we said a few minutes ago, number 11, only a game behind, although they play later this evening, Monday. But the Clippers on Sunday, they had an 11 point lead against Atlanta with under seven minutes to go. Lost the game at home. Okay. Um, Reggie Jackson has just been abysmal. In fact, Ty Lue took him out of the starting lineup for that game. He was replaced by Terrence Mann, who did okay. But Reggie Jackson is averaging just three points in his last four games, shooting just 22% from the floor. Now, you know, that's a slump. That's a four-game sample. So he may very, very well bounce back, you know, score sometimes, you know, they'll have those things. Uh, but the next two games for the Clippers aren't exactly gimmies. I mean, yes, they're both at home, but they get Dallas and then they get Denver. So, you know, you would think that it's a very good chance they're going to lose both of those games at home, the way, given the way that they're playing right now. Yeah, I think just to sum everything up here with the Clippers, their biggest weakness is consistency, whether that be their health, their offensive play, or even their defense. I mean, just to kind of drive home how inconsistent this team has been, I would argue that the most consistent player all season has been Dubak. Zubak, their center, has played very consistent for that team, really doesn't even have a backup five, and, and he just continues to, to be the anchor of that defense, grabbing rebounds and, uh, you know, getting stops around the basket. But, you know, if Zubak's your most consistent player when you have the names of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on your team, you're probably not a, a very good team. So they, they've, got, they've got to figure something out in a hurry. But that leads us right into our second quarter here, uh, speaking of names. And, uh, you know, there has been a trend going viral on social media discussing the international starting five versus a domestic starting five. So uh, I thought it'd be fun here if we would go ahead and pencil in uh, and, and see what World B and Bruce would pencil in as their starters for both teams. And then ultimately, once picking their starters, uh, who would win the game? Uh, Bruce, let's start with you and uh, give us uh, your international starting five. Okay, starting at center, Nikola <laughs> Jokic, uh, averaging 25, almost 11, nine and a half assists. Unbelievable player. MVP favorite again at this point, I would say. Uh, at 
One of the forwards, I've got the Greek freak, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, 32 and almost 12 rebounds. Now, at my other forward, it, you know, you would you might expect me to just take Joel Embiid and say front court, front court, front court, but I decided to go with an actual forward for my other position. So I'm taking Pascal Siakam of Toronto, the only guy who's doing anything for that team this year, averaging nearly 26. Uh, my backcourt is, you know, no-brainer, Luka Doncic, 34, almost nine, almost nine boards, almost nine assists. Uh, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who I would say is probably the most improved player in the league this year, averaging just under 31, um, almost five boards, a little over five assists. And my sixth man, because I wanted to have, I wanted to put Embiid on the team, so I'm making him my sixth man, uh, second leading scorer in the NBA, uh, often injured as he is right now. So that is my international lineup, Michael. What do you? Who do you have? Uh, basically, you know, it's hard not to have around the same players. Uh, I was inspired by Marist College from the 80s when Rick Smith was there, and they had a starting front line of seven four, seven foot, and six eleven. Okay. So that being said, I went with the I went big on my lineup for the international team. I have Giannis, the Joker, and MD as my front. My front line. Let's see somebody try and get a basket in there, and and you better make it because you're not getting the offensive glass. And then <laughs> at the the two guards, I put Luca and SGA. I know they're both basically point guard, but I'll I'll play one off the ball. I'm sure it'll be just fine. And uh, Siakam, I I have as my bench guy. I he's a uh, we talked about him a couple weeks ago. He's having a, he's just a steady great player, and he's having another All Star caliber year. So, Ross, tell us about that team. What do you think? What's that team's strengths? What are, what makes them an amazing unit to watch play? I mean, first of all, the uh, length on both of your teams. I mean, whether we start Giannis at the three or Siakam comes off the bench as a versatile three, four for either of your units, uh, I think the defensive look is great defensively. Um, SGA has that length defensively with the guards as well. Um but really, obviously, I'm going to focus on the offense of the international team. And what I think this group really would buy into is team play. I mean, these guys are not going to do a ton of isolations. It's going to be great ball movement. And who is that ball movement going to go through? No matter how many, how much talent you have, it's going to go through Luka and, and the Joker. And uh, a lot of that would be fully focused on the Joker there, just picking apart uh, the domestic starting lineup. And, uh, you know, they've got – the IQ uh, of SGA, Giannis, Siakam, and even Embiid, if he, you know, a little high, high, low action. I think, I think the Joker would be great, you know, being a quarterback of that offense. And uh, that would be a tough team to beat. So I'm very interested, Bruce, to hear who you guys have as your domestic starting five. All right. Um, I'm going to take uh, Bam Adebayo for my center. Uh, Bam is averaging 21, almost 10 boards, 3.1 assists. And he's a guy, I'm not saying he's like Joker, but he's a guy that you can run a lot of your offense through. He moves the ball well. He's a good passer. He's not Nikola Jokic, but he's a really nice energy guy. Uh, and he's got a great motor. I always enjoy watching him play. Uh, at one forward, I mean, look, LeBron James, I said it all before, nothing left to add, the GOAT. Uh, the other forward, I'm going to take Jason Tatum because I'm a Boston homer and I just can't help myself. Uh, also, to me, you know, he's right there among the scoring leaders, getting rebounds, dishing, 
playing great defense. Uh, in the backcourt, uh, although he's injured right now, he will be back eventually. I'm going to take Stephen Curry, greatest shooter in the history of mankind, averaging 30, leading the league with five made threes per game. Uh, and uh, at the other guy, I'm going to go with Spider, Donovan Mitchell, Mr. 71-point uh, performance uh, last week, um, helping take you know Cleveland to a higher level this year. We expected them to be better, but he's made them borderline elite. And my sixth man, again, is on the injury list right now, but that's Kevin Durant, almost 30 a game, uh, has played incredible D and has led Brooklyn to the second best record in the entire league. Hopefully, um, you know, he'll be back healthy reasonably soon, Mike. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, how amazing is it to have a guy like KD, who is a serious MVP candidate coming off both our benches, as it turns out, uh, because my lineup, it's a little, this was a little tougher to choose from. We have a couple of different players in our starting lineup. Uh, my guy in the middle is Anthony Davis. This, by the way, this is all under the assumption that everybody's healthy. So we don't, you know, uh, worry about injuries in this scenario. AD, before he got hurt, was an MVP candidate. He was the MVP candidate for the first month of the season. He was playing that well. Um, So I think I'll leave him in there. Uh, My backcourt is Steph and uh, Devin Booker. I think Booker's value to the Suns has been uh, pretty apparent since he's been injured. And the way they're playing right now is uh, really, really, uh, they're really struggling offensively. And not having him on the court is a big reason why. Um, the front court is LeBron and Tatum. Uh, I've always said in to talk about LeBron the way uh, the way Bruce did before. I always put LeBron in this category of he's the only player I've ever seen where you could put at any position, center, forward, any of the five positions, and he could be he could play at an All Star level. Not get yeah. voted into the all-star. He could be an all-star center. If you want him, if you came the year and say, listen, off-season, play, work on being a center. He could be an all-star center. He's that good of a player. And uh, and Tatum is another first-team All-NBA NBA type player this year. And KD is coming off the bench. I mean, I, what better way to match the length of the international team than to bring in a 6'11 guy to stretch you and make you guard him out on the three? Yeah, I like that you guys both picked uh, KD to be your sixth man, as you alluded to there, with with their length. I mean, you're going to need length to, to match up against those international stars. And what I really like about this domestic team is defensively, you're going to be able to switch everything. I mean, Bam Adebayo can guard pretty much every position. He's great in pick and rolls against guards. LeBron Tatum speak for themselves defensively. Um, Mitchell's great. I like the I like the Donovan Mitchell uh, pick there, Bruce, because he can match the physicality of Luka Doncic, who loves to be physical on his drives. I think uh, Donovan's got the the strength and muscle to to offer up some resistance there. And uh, the one thing with the domestic team uh, defensively that that really stands out, and I'm sure you've heard it before. Steph Curry, I feel like he's going to get picked on. There's going to be some post-up plays for the point guards uh, on the international team. But on the other end, I mean, Curry's the best shooter in the world, best shooter of all time, in my opinion. Uh, that He's going to cause a ton of trouble uh, for that international team. It, it's more so like it is every year for, for Team USA, I think. 
you know, getting these guys to to gel and to, to buy into the team play. I think, as we know, international guys are, you know, certainly, you know, come into the league with a European style that's more team oriented. And, and domestically, you know, we play AAU ball a lot of the time. So it'd be very curious to see, um, you know, if, if they got like a week to have a training camp, if this domestic unit could put it all together and uh, defeat that international squad. But boy, would that be a hell of a game. I think, I think the fact that these guys have all been uh, played on the national team had, would probably help that out. I think they, you know, their time spent on the Olympic team, I think would uh, help that out. I think. Plus you got a lot of unselfish guys. There. You know, LeBron, is uh Steph all his shots or whatever is still a seven assist guy. Uh so I think I think there's enough uh unselfishness and team oriented guys on there to uh, make it work. So who wins the game guys? <laughs> I'm gonna go with the international squad. I think it's just too much talent with uh, the Joker. I trust the ball in his hands. I trust that team more than I do the domestic team to play team basketball and pick apart Curry and other weaknesses that they find throughout the game. Uh, I think they're true for the game and just uh, ability to kind of dominate in the paint. I mean, when you're talking about the Joker and Giannis, those are two of the best in the game uh, down, down in the low post, especially Giannis. And uh, you got a cold-blooded game on the line shooter like Luka if, if, you, if you need a step back for, from deep. But, Will B, who do you got? Oh, I'd take the U.S. team. I stretch everybody out along the three-point line. I got five five guys who can shoot the three, or at least attempt the three. Uh, yeah. You know, AD, AD's life got a lot better this year when he stopped taking threes. So, um, <laughs> But I can put in KD in place of, of AD, and now I can stretch you all out. Now you got to guard me out on the three, and then I can take you to the pole. And then, you know, let's see. The length would be a problem in the middle if, if we – even if we try to get to the basket, there'd be somebody there from the international squad ready to send that ball flying back. But I'll, I'll take my chances and let Steph and Booker and Tatum take a bunch of threes and KD off the bench. I, I think we'll score enough to, to come away with the win. <laughs> okay, so I get to break the tie then, right? Yeah. Um, I've got the international squad. Um you know, Jokic speaks for himself, makes every player on the court better. And you've got so much talent on that court already to actually have somebody that's as good and can make all of those guys better to me is almost scary to think about. Giannis, you know, great defender in the paint, great scorer, great rebounder. Siakam gives you a little bit of everything. Um, Luka Doncic, again, between him and Joker, the ball movement on that team is just going to be ridiculous and they will wear any team out because they're going to keep that ball moving. They're going to make the defense go side to side guarding. They're going to make them use a lot of energy and that style has proven to be very successful. And then, you know, you've got a guy like Shane Gilgis Alexander who can, he's almost like Nicole Jokic in this one respect. You can speed him up. He goes, he plays the game at his pace he you, doesn't matter what kind of defense he's going against. As as Greg Anthony said to me one time about Chris Paul, he get what got to get got. He just <laughs> finds a way. He get what got to get got. And that's Shea Gilgis Alexander. And then you got Joel Embiid. So to me, uh, it might go to overtime, but I got the international team winning this one. 
You know, one factor we didn't consider, are we playing, I'm, I'm under the assumption we're playing under NBA rules, but wouldn't it be fun if we played international rules and you could swipe the ball off the rim? <laughs> Biggest, big advantage for, uh, for uh, uh, you know, the, the uh, international team, in my opinion. Yeah. Everybody out there, by the way, take the over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well put. There will be. Well, that would be one heck of a game. And for the third uh, third quarter, fellas, I also wanted to play a game. We're going to call the segment Too Cool for School. And what I'm going to be doing is testing Bruce and World B's knowledge on certain NBA players and where they played their college ball. And so, do you know where they went to school and played ball? Or are you, in fact, too cool for school? So. Or too uh, stupid for 48 minutes, one or yeah. the other. <laughs> so I'm going to be nice. I've got five players here. I'll start with player number one, and I'm going to start you off with a nice soft toss with Blazer star, former lottery pick, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard went to Weber State. Yes, he did. That is correct, yep, in the Big Sky Conference. So we're one for one here on the show. So wait, Next. are we getting individual questions because – you know, I think it's going to be assuming the, I'm going to get it wrong, and Mike's going to have to clean the, up my mess, right? The first, well, I, I assume it's going to be the other way, but that's <laughs> the, the first to answer wins. So we'll, we'll give Bruce oh, all right. one. Oh, we'll get so we got to go first. Ding. Yeah, right, yeah. first fine. one to blurt it out wins. So, all right. all right, this next guy is due back very soon, and will be a much needed return. The Pelicans, Larry Nance. Where did he go to school? Tick, 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 tick. I don't even know where his father went to school. Larry Nance went to Wyoming. Oh, yes. Of course he did. All right. Well, if you can't get that one, these next three might be interesting, but hopefully our listeners are answering along with us here. This is a fan favorite that lost all his shine when the Kings decided to do the Tyrese Halliburton trade. Where did Sean Holmes go to school? Oh, God. I have no idea. Give you a hint. It's in Ohio. Miami? Incorrect. Bowling Green. Bowling Mike, Green. you didn't get a chance to say Bowling Green. <laughs> I, I, I'm just glad I knew Bowling Green was in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving right along here. Currently leads the NBA in three-point field goal percentage. Yuta, the shooter of the Brooklyn Nets. Where did he go to school? Washington? That's correct. George Washington. I meant the University of Washington, but I'll tell Oh, you. I'm going to get, I'll give you half credit there. I gave you more credit than you deserve. But. I deserve no credit. All right. Well, I know it's in D.C. Do I get anything for that part? <laughs> no. Yeah, well, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. That's Darn a dead it. giveaway with the school name. Darn it. All right. Last but not least, World B, you need one to, for the tie here. Fresh off an impressive 26.8 rebound night versus World B's Orlando Magic. Anthony Lamb of the Golden State Warriors. Where did he go to school? Haven't a clue. <laughs> you if I don't know. Was, no, I'm thinking of Jeremy Lamb went to UConn. It's not a, no. Jeremy, Anthony Lamb didn't go to UConn. I have no An idea. Anthony Lamb went to Vermont. So uh, hopefully uh, – you guys learned something there along with our listeners if they didn't get those trivia questions right. But uh, next time, I guess I'll make it a little easier. But at least we got one and Weber State, and uh, we all learned something, right? I know the nickname for the yeah. Vermont team. Do I get a, like a tenth of a point for that? What is it? I don't know that. The Catamounts. Catamounts. Okay. 
Nice. So, yeah, you, yeah. Props mean, there. Yeah. Well, whatever. Okay. All right. Moving right along. Well, here. wait a minute. I, now you can only go to University of Vermont I thought, unless if your name is Ben and Jerry. If you oh, don't, you, you're not allowed to go there. Oh, that was cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get I'll a quarter of a point for trying to be funny there. <laughs> yeah. Good. Effort. All right. We Moving right turn. along. Back to the serious talk here for our fourth and final oh. quarter. Let's get into our midseason uh, awards. Um, Bruce, I'll let you start us off here. Who are, who are some guys as we meet, reach the midway point into the season? Uh, are you eyeing for the midseason awards? Do you want me to just kind of go down my list of yeah. five? Okay. Yeah. Uh, for MVP, I got to give it to the Joker. Uh, there's just, you know, his team is right on top of the conference, the Western Conference, right up there among the best records, does it all. Here's a fun fact about him. He's number three in the league in assists. We've talked about that repeatedly. Of the top 10 assist leaders, nine of them are point guards, and then there's Jokic. Boom. You know, that's pretty impressive. Uh, Nuggets tied for the top seed in the West with Memphis, third best record in the NBA. Got to got to give him the three-peat. Coach of the year is a very tough call between Boston's Joe Missoula, Brooklyn's Jacques Vaughn, and Willie Green of New Orleans. But my vote goes to Missoula, and it's not just because I'm a homer. Seltzer, 28-12, and 12, best in the NBA, best road record. He replaced Ime Udoka on the eve of the season, and the team hasn't missed a beat. Uh, they lead the league in scoring differential and points per game. So I'm saying, Coach Missoula, you're my guy. Rookie of the year is Michael Freer's favorite young player, Paolo Banquero, 21.4, nearly seven rebounds, nearly four assists. Old man strong, doesn't look like a rookie out there, looks like a guy who's been out there in, against this competition forever. Very mature individual. My number two is Benedict Mathuran, also known as Mathurin. Uh, 17 points a game, uh, 64 three-point field goals, third among rookies. Uh, my most improved player, I'm giving to SGA, uh, just under 31 a game, number four in the NBA. My number two most improved player is going to go to Tyrese Halliburton, uh, leading the league in assists. And my number three most improved player, i got to give it to Laurie Markkinen, uh, who's averaging over 24 a game, uh, eight plus rebounds and shooting 53% from the floor. So we can do our all NBA teams maybe after Mike does his guys. Is that cool? Is that cool? Yep. Yep. Right. Will be. Well, there's not a tremendous amount of drama here because we have a lot of the same uh, winners here. I MVP was the toughest one for me. We've talked about that before. There's, there's really about six legitimate candidates. I think you could make a, uh, a legitimate case for, uh, I went with uh, the Joker, just slightly over uh, Luca, uh, and the only reason is, you know, his numbers alone. He's averaging almost a triple double. Uh, There's a good chance he could end up with a triple double, you know, averaging for the year. He's shooting as better as good as he ever has. His his effective field goal percentage is 64 percent, which is a career high pace. But the difference when he is on the court, I've mentioned this before, when he is on the court and when he's off the court, the difference in the Denver offense is unbelievable. He, they are ba- they are barely averaging over a point per possession when he is off the court. When he's on the court, it's like 120 points per 100 possessions. It's incredible. That shows you your value to his team. And so I went with Joker. It's like that. If somebody says, Luca, somebody says, KD, I'm not going to sit here and say you're uh, coach of the year, 
Bruce said he didn't choose Joe Mazzulla because he, you know, he chose him not because of the homer. Well, I'm taking Joe Mazzulla because I am a homer. He's a Mountaineer, so I'm taking Joe Mazzulla. I'll bypass all the fact that he's a Celtic, but for everything that, uh, that Bruce mentioned, taking over a team on the eve of the season in that fashion, relatively inexperienced as a head coach or a coaching experience, and he comes in there and leads the team the best record in the league, the best offense in the league, there are, uh, they're clicking, and, you know, at this point, you'd be the favorites to win the title. So, you know, how can he not? Uh, Jock Juan at Brooklyn should get some serious thought, too, uh, as the season goes on, the way things are developing. He could absolutely earn that uh, award. Uh, my rookie year, it's really not, it's going to be a no-brainer. It's Ben Caro. He's he's unbelievable. You know, when, they, when he scores 20 or more, he's done it 24 times this year. Orlando's not a bad. They're eleven and thirteen, just under five hundred. When he scores twenty or more, so he's going to be a thirty-point a game night down the road. I think uh, so. It's really a no-brainer. He's been everything you want to have a number one pick. Uh, my most improved. I'm sticking in Orlando. I'm going with Ball Ball. I think he's. Uh, wow. He. I don't know how much of it, you know serious consideration he'll get by the end of the year, but he really should. His first three seasons, he only got average about six minutes a night and less than three points a game. Now he's getting about 26 minutes a night, 12 points a game, seven boards, over uh, one and a half blocks a game, and just over 26 minutes a game. He's really stepped. He's a sh- uh, shooting 39% from three-point range, along with shooting, I think, 59% from the field. He's really uh, been one of the keys for them when they do well. He's out right now in the uh, health and safety protocols, but he's having a really good year, a really surprising year for uh, for the Magic. And uh, we'll, we'll get to the All-NBA team here in a minute. Yeah, and I'll quickly go through my list here. My MVP, I'm going to go with Giannis. I know that's obviously a homer pick for me, but I, I'm going to stay optimistic here that uh, you know Chris Middleton will get back at some point. If Chris Middleton does not get back at some point, and Giannis is able to – continue to have the Bucks where they are in the standings for an 82-game season. I think that's going to very well, you know, very well warrant another MVP consideration. Um, I think voter fatigue is real in the NBA. I hate to bring that up as a, a talking point, but I don't know if the Joker is going to get three in a row. Uh, same reason, you know, uh, other guys in the past that arguably could have had number three did not get it. Um, rookie of the year, Paolo. No need to go ahead and exhaust any more on him. My most improved player is Bruce's number two, Tyrese Halliburton. John Morant won it, won it a few years ago, so that would certainly put SGA in that consideration as well as being a very dominant uh, point guard. But I think what Tyrese Halliburton has done, as we mentioned on our last pod, uh, having his team a top six team in the East with that roster and leading the, the league in assists uh, would be well warranted. And then another guy Bruce mentioned that I had as my coach of the year, Willie Green. I think Willie Dream's done an exceptional job down in New Orleans. Uh, they have had so many injuries uh, from C.J. McCollum being out, Brandon Ingram being out for most of the year, and now Zion's out. And just what he's been able to continue to do with that team and some of the development stories within the team, Jose Alvarado, uh, Trey, uh, Trey Murphy the uh, third. You go down the list, Najee Marshall. They've, they've got a ton of guys that are playing – the best basketball of their careers. And I think that has a lot to do with the position uh, 
Willie Green is putting them in to succeed. But with that, Bruce, we'll, we'll get to our uh, all-NBA team. By all, all right, so unlike when I picked my top squad before, this time you can do three front-court guys and two guards. So that's the way I'm going. And I didn't realize it when I picked this team, but in looking at it now, my all-NBA first team are all international players. I've got Jokic, I've got Embiid, I've got Giannis, I've got Luka, I've got SGA. That's my first team. And I feel, and I didn't even consciously say, oh, do I need, I mean, it was just to me, you know, amazing that that's probably the first time I've ever felt that way. Uh, Second team, if anyone cares, same deal, three front court guys, LeBron, KD, Tatum, backcourt, John Morant, and Donovan Mitchell. Michael? Uh, my first team, I went with Luca and uh, the Joker and Giannis, and I went LeBron and uh, Jason Tatum. I think they're uh, LeBron in year twenty. We just mentioned at the top of the show. It's an, the numbers are incredible. He's going to be a 30, 30 point a game night and a player. You know points per game, and you know Tatum is the best player on the best team. He's elevated his game. Uh, it's unbelievable to leave a guy like KD off, but you know, he can only have five. So he, he just barely, uh, they tip off the ball and he's already subbing in. That's, that's how close <laughs> it is. You know, so, um, it's an incredible, uh, season for offensive, uh, individual performances. We talked that last week. This is just, uh, a perfect example of how crazy it is. A guy like KD and Donovan Mitchell is not on anybody's first team. All right, and uh, lastly, I've got my two guards being SGA and Luca. Well, I didn't give the flowers to SGA, SGA for most improved player. Uh, I do have him as a first-teamer guard this year in the NBA. Alongside him, uh, I've got Luka Doncic. Uh, I think that man speaks for himself what he's doing in Dallas single-handedly this season, putting up historic numbers, historic nights. Uh, I've got the Joker because he arguably could become a three-time MVP, and I would not have an argument why he shouldn't. Uh, Jason Tatum, uh, best player on uh, the best team in the NBA and the Boston Celtics, certainly uh, belongs in that conversation. And then I got to give it up to the 38-year-old LeBron James, um, putting together one of his better seasons. Uh, certainly impressed with just where he's got this Lakers group playing now as they're on the rise, as I mentioned earlier. And it um, seems like we're, we're all kind of clicking on the same wavelength here with all NBA team, but it's truly hard to argue the, the, the names that we threw out there. Hey, looks like we're going to do some free basketball tonight, right? We're in overtime now. Highly unusual for us. So I can't think of a better way to kick off overtime than for Russ to help people out to make some money. Yeah, let's get right into that. And uh, tonight's bet, best bets discussion or should I say hot take opportunity, is to go ahead and focus in on the homecoming game for Donovan Mitchell. The Cavaliers tomorrow night on Tuesday uh, face off back in Utah against the Jazz, and I'm looking at the two top players on both teams. Um, I'm looking at Laurie Marketing. Of course, he used to play for Cleveland, was traded in the deal uh, for Donovan Mitchell, and uh, I'm going to take the over. I would take the over on Laurie Marketing scoring 25 and a half points, so 26 for the game tomorrow night at home versus the Cavs. He scored 24 points in their last meeting, and just this past Saturday, 
Laurie put together 28 points against his other former team, the Chicago Bulls. So I think he keeps the hot streak going on a revenge and uh, goes ahead and goes for 26-plus. And then I wanted to roll this one out for you guys, World B and Bruce. Uh, back at home, Donovan Mitchell, where he had his long career up until this, this time, uh, his line right now is 27.5 points. You guys taking the over or under on Mitchell scoring 28? I mean, 28 is an off night for him these days. So <laughs> I would say I would I would probably take the over. And by the way, on Markinen, I would take the under going up against Mobley and Jared Allen. I think it's going to be tough for him. I, I'm going with the under. I'm disagreeing with my guru over here. Uh, and I'm, totally taking fine. Over, I'm taking the over on uh, Spider. I would take the over on on Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I think he scored twenty eight or more in uh, twenty two of his thirty six games he's played this year. So, um, plus he's got that you know silly seventy point game, seventy one point game that uh, you know I, I'll uh, if he goes half if he's half as good he's got the over. All right. Well, there you have it. Everyone kind of threw in their best bets for that fun matchup tomorrow night on Tuesday. Uh, fellas, we have any other final thoughts here before we wind down the show? I do, teacher. I do. Uh, <laughs> my my closing thought is kind of a quirky Oklahoma City Thunder thing. They have two guys on their roster with the same name. They have Jalen Williams, six six rookie guard, averaging eleven and a half points on fifty one percent shooting, and they've got Jalen Williams, a six nine rookie forward, averaging three points. They spell their first names a bit differently. There's J-A-L-E-N, he's the one averaging 11, and J-A-Y-L-I-N is the uh, forward. They also have another Williams on their roster, Kenrich, uh, and I believe have a Wiggins too. So uh, the W's have it uh, if you want to buy a vowel or a consonant or something. I don't know, Mike. Uh, my closing thought is we talked about throughout uh, this show and uh, these episodes about how great uh, the offense has been this year. And they really have. We, you know, can go up and down uh, again about how wonderful, you know, some of these performances have been. The second half of the year, I want to see the team that can really step up defensively and really make a name for themselves. We know everybody can score. We can, we've seen it. Everybody has the capability of scoring. I want to find the team that is going to be – can the Celtics match defense continue to match what their offense has done? Can the Brooklyn Nets find a defense to go along with the offense that they have? Can Cleveland maintain their defense? Can they win a championship just off their defense, even though they do have a very good offense? That's the teams I want to see. You know, the Milwaukee Bucks have a great defense. Is it enough to overcome a lousy offense? And same thing with uh, the Clippers. You know, these are the teams. If you can set us up, you can play really good defense or second half of the year. And you got a chance to win a championship. All right. And uh, my closing thoughts here is on a, uh, a game here tonight, late on the East Coast time zone, but Magic at Kings. I'm looking really, really looking forward to seeing this Magic team, how they respond after a big win in Golden State the other night. Um, I think they match up well against Sacramento, especially down low. I'm not sure who's going to guard Paolo Bonchero and Wendell Carter junior i mean between the two of them sabonis can only handle one um so i'm a little nervous for the kings as they've lost their last two games at home and tonight's going to be another scary test 
they have a chance to maybe lose three straight home games uh, with the young but talented Orlando Magic coming into town. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that one, and maybe we'll go ahead and discuss that next episode. But want to thank everyone for tuning in to this edition, Episode 8 of 48 Minutes on Believe. We'll be back with you on Friday, and uh, we'll see you then. Take care and be sure to subscribe.